time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 122 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day and we kiss them too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house in historic Gettysburg, PA, Bantam Coffee Roasters. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? This is Mexican coffee. It has notes of a sweet, juicy fruit with a long cocoa finish. It is so delicious. You need to check them out over at BantamRoasters.com and follow them on their social media pages. Okay, so are you ready to sip some of this absolutely delicious coffee and chat? I am, but first a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubbly Farms. This month, you can receive 30% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats. Orders $40 and more ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubbly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein. It's perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code CWTCL30 for 30% off your first purchase. Try it today. Okay, so mid-March. I can't wait for it to go out like a lamb. How are you doing? I'm great. I just want to take a moment to say happy birthday to my sister, Colleen, and happy birthday to my mom. Happy birthday to ya! Yeah! I'm all over spring right now. Like I've got plants started all over my studio. I'm getting really excited to get our babies from McMurray. I'm getting excited for the babies. I got my seed catalog. I am going to start planting some more seeds this year so I can go less from already big plants. It's going to be a lot less expensive. It's It's a lot lot less expensive and you have a lot more control over the actual varieties that you're growing. Yeah, you get about a million times more variety. Because if you go to the store to buy your plants, you're getting the same thing that they have every year. They never have more than what they have. And they may or may not have been treated. They may or may not be open pollinated seeds. I have a boatload of cotton. I started all kinds of cotton. Yeah. And I found this really nifty thing. They're reusable plant trays. And they're made by Burpee. In the bottom of each cell, there's like a little silicone web. Okay. So essentially, you can push the seedlings up and they stay in their little Mm. dirt pot. Mm -hmm. You can transplant them that way. You can move them to a bigger pot. But you can use these things year after year. You can even put them in the dishwasher to get them clean. Yeah. You know me. I've said this before on the show. I am like one that's always gone out and just bought my plants as plants and planted them and not really gone from seed. But this year I decided... I want more variety and I don't want to spend as much. So it's actually better. I just have to get the knack of it, get going on it and see how we're going to do. I'm here to help you if necessary. Oh, I know you will. So that's going to be fun. I will probably just get some of the mainstream herbs that I want for back there already. There are certain things I will buy. I will definitely buy my herbs if they're really good quality. Yeah. And if I come across like a vegetable that I've never grown that I really like the looks of, I'll still buy starts here and there. Yeah. I think like marigolds, I'm going to try them from seed. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're easy to grow from seed. And you can get some really pretty ones. Yeah, because that's going to be a big base to around the runs. Mm -hmm. And I have all my wine barrels set up. And last year when the storm came in and took out the chicken run, basically my dream gardens went bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. (laughs) So we're starting all over, but it'll be fun. Yeah. 
I had Cornelia out this morning with the seed catalog on my lap. We were both looking. <laughs> now she went to the marigolds and the dandelions and the cabbage. So those are her wishes. I've got 12 little cabbages growing happily. Right well, now. she would be happy then. I'm sure she, she'd probably decimate those. And when we got to the cabbage page, there's a little boy who's holding cabbages like 10 times the yeah. size of him. Her eyes were huge. <laughs> looking at him like, can I have some of that cabbage, man? So I'm excited. I want this cold weather to go away. I changed out of my regular clothes to put on fleece pants, a sweatshirt, well, fleece socks. It's cold. It's cold and like drizzly today. But by the time this episode drops, I bet we're going to have much better weather. Because it's going to be going out like a lamb. That's right. Okay, so let's move on. If you are listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for the growth of our show. And while you're there hit that subscribe button. There's two reasons. The first one is you never, ever miss an episode. And the second thing is it's a great way that you can help us grow. If you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, you can tell a friend or two or five about the podcast. You can share your favorite episodes on social media. You can visit our Etsy shop, check out the mugs and t-shirts we have there. I just want to give a shout out to my friend, Trisha Larm, who came over and bought some t-shirts. She did. Thank you. Thank you. It means so much that you support us over there on Etsy. You can become a patron of the show, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out our levels of membership. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our show notes, use our discount codes and affiliate links and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the February box, I absolutely love the red iron rooster trivet and the seed block. I really love that egg timer. It's going to be great when I'm baking. And those chicken stickers are going to be awesome on notes I send out. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals Health Products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. The Breed Spotlight is brought to you by Murray McMurray Hatchery, defining quality for generations. For over a century, Murray McMurray Hatchery has remained a trusted family-owned business, working tirelessly to ensure our poultry meet the highest standards. Whether you are an experienced enthusiast or just embarking on the journey, look to McMurray Hatchery for guaranteed quality rare and heritage breeds, low minimums, and all the supplies you need to raise your flock. Request a free catalog today. Dun, 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 dun. Time for the breed spotlight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This week's breed is the Sumatra. Sumatra. What a beautiful chicken. They really are. They are. The beautiful Sumatra is a rare breed. 
They originate on the island of Sumatra. I was going to say, can you guess what island? Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like a place for us to visit because Sumatra has coffee and chickens. Yeah, exactly. They're kind of known for coffee. <laughs> right. So they're on the island of Sumatra. They have largely resided in feral colonies on the island. I'm not surprised. If you're not familiar, Sumatra is an island in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And the equator runs right through the middle of the island. So it is a hot and tropical climate. The only thing I can compare it to that probably some people will know of is Aruba. So Aruba is an island that's pretty close to the equator. It's not far at all. So what happens is on those islands, it's much warmer. The sun is much closer and your days are longer. Well, it makes an excellent place for chickens to go feral. I mean, think about all those islands. It's warm. There's plenty of water. There's plenty of food for foraging chickens. Exactly. Lots of bugs. There's bugs and plants all year round, so they can go feral and have the ability to get food and drink. Yeah. Now, the Sumatra chickens, they probably aren't too far removed from the various jungle fowl that are native to Indonesia, though don't make any mistake. They are definitely members of the chicken species. They do sit lower like the jungle fowl do also. If you take a photo of Sumatra and put it next to a photo of the jungle fowl that's found on the island of Sumatra, you can see some real similarities. I can see it just from looking at I mean, my pictures because jungle fowl kind of have sit lower to the ground yeah, with a long tail. Long and sloping. Again, the Sumatra is definitely a chicken. It's not a jungle fowl. It's not a pheasant like you'll see some people say. But when you look at them, you really can recognize that the jungle fowl was one of the precursors to the chicken. Well, for the one thing, when you look at them, they're black, but the green sheen in their feathers is immense. Right. Apparently, the Sumatra were used as fighting birds, and they might still be. I was going to say, I remember reading that, too. all reports say that they were not great fighters, because the males are only aggressive to each other during mating season. Well, they don't want to mess up their pretty tails. Well, can you blame them? They're like, oh my god, he hit me. Don't mess with my tail. right. I'm a lover, not a fighter. (laughs) I'm a lover, not a fighter, man. So the Sumatra, these elegant, graceful birds, are currently found in the threatened category of the Livestock Conservancy's conservation priority list. I'm not surprised. Look them up because they really are absolutely beautiful. Yeah, while you're sitting here listening, if you can, if you're not driving or in the middle of something, look them up. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. They definitely have a very unique look to them. They do. So they're a light body chicken and they belong to the long tail variety. So they're similar to the Yokohama, the Phoenix, and the Kubalaya. Yes, definitely. They are very dark birds. They do carry the gene for fibromelanosis. That's the gene that. The dark skin. Right, the Svarthona mm-hmm. and the Iamsamani and the Silkies. So the Sumatra do have the dark pigmentation all the way down to their skin and bones, but their skin color may vary because sometimes that gene doesn't have full expression and you get not quite as dark coloring. So sometimes you'll see that sort of purplish mulberry color. Right. Sometimes you can see more of the red present. Or that green. To me, they have way more green sheen than any other black chicken I've ever seen. They probably don't have more than the Java who are like the kings of the beetle green sheen. But yeah, they're known for that green iridescence. Look at that little guy's eye. So cute. Yeah. And maybe it's just because they're in, you know, a tropical area. The sun's always hitting them on these pictures. It's very evident. No, they're very well known for their iridescence. We'll talk about that in a sec. So they have very small peak homes, very small waddles and earlobes. And big eyes. They do have big eyes. It's a big dark eye. Yeah. They do have big Mm -hmm. eyes. They have black or slight legs and feet. And apparently, like the Jersey Giant, the sole of their foot is yellow. Okay. Cute little thing. The males have extra long flowing saddle and sickle feathers, and they're going to require some extra care to keep them clean. Yeah, they don't want people messing with those tails. (laughs) The hens have a long tail as well, but it kind of just sticks out behind them. It doesn't drag on the ground like the males do. The females always miss out on these long tails, man. Well, it's not really practical, especially if you have babies behind (laughs) them. They're like, look, I don't need this long tail. 
But I will say, now I have a picture of a hen up. She doesn't have nearly the green sheen as the male. That might be the photograph. That Well, I know, but I've seen other pictures. But her body shape is completely different than the boy. Yeah. And some of that is the visual because her tail (laughs) sticks out horizontally. It does. And it's long. The Yokohama hens are similar to that. Yeah. Another interesting little point. Like the Kubalaya, the Sumatra roosters may have multiple spurs. They're not really like quite as big and heavy as they are. Well, the other thing is, if they got two of them close together, it's probably better than one single one coming at you. Right, exactly. It's like less of a pointy thing coming. projectile. Yeah, exactly. So it might not be to their advantage. The most common color of the Sumatra is black, and the feathers gleam that iridescent green that you were talking about. That's what I love about them. They're light-bodied. So the roosters are going to come in around five and the hens are going to come in around four. So think of leghorn size. Mm-hmm. They're not big birds, even though they have a nice long tail. Right. That might make them look a little larger, but they're not heavy. I think that's the case with most of the long tail varieties. Yeah, they're I agree. not really big birds. So this is a bird that does not like to be confined. A tail gets in the way. Taking these a you lot think of space. that's what it is? I mean, you got that tail with you. You got You need space. Well, I think their dislike of confinement is the reason that you find the feral colonies of them on Sumatra and the other nearby islands. They're like, I'm leaving home. I'm just going to go out. I'm going to live go on my out own. and hang out with the boys. Yeah. They do startle easily. And they're one of the breeds that will jump straight into the air when alarmed. Oh, gosh. That's not good. I mean, think about it. If you're a feral chicken, that's a good way to give yourself a boost and burst into flight and evade predators. If you are interested in the Sumatra and you live in a predator-saturated area, you're going to want to build these birds an extra-large run, like an aviary. I think we're going to start just putting that out everywhere because I think everyone should build the largest run Absolutely. that they can. Yep. Because say down the line you want a chicken like this and your run is small, it's not even a possibility for you. A large you. run just gives you a million options with your chicken keeping. They stay safe. They have room to move around. And then you could do supervised free ranging. It gives you so many more possibilities. I'm just going to keep saying it so I can catch that one person before they build the run. We do go extra with all of our chicken care tips. And the reason we're so meticulous about it is because we've done all the other things wrong. Yep. You might be on social media and you might see this guy and this girl and they might say, I do this and it works great. Well, they can talk to me in three years Yeah. when they've run into X, Y, or Z problems. You start out small. We've all done it. We've done it, right. Trust us. If you love chickens, you're going to want a larger run. If you want some of these breeds, how many breeds do we talk about in the breed spotlight that needs extra space? There's a a lot lot of them. So many people that you hear say, my birds were taken by predators. Well, we can stop that by a safe run that's extra large to keep those predators out. This time of the year is the most dangerous time of year. We've been talking about this for weeks. The predators have babies to feed. You know, they're moms with babies to feed. Yep. You just need to make sure that what they're feeding their babies are not your chickens. And we're at the end of the cold season. So basically, all the bunnies or squirrels or whoever was out there before that they were eating, I've noticed this in my own homestead. They're gone. There's not a lot of food right now. Or they they might be off brooding babies of their own. Exactly. And they can't find them. So we've been talking about seeing the hawk circling. I heard coyote at the family farm the other night. You know, I've seen the foxes and their babies. The reality here is, what's his name on social media? He might say, I've free ranged my birds for the last five years and haven't lost any. And all I can say is, yet. If you're prepared for that loss and you want to take the risk of free ranging, that's fine. Yeah. But if your birds are beloved pets and you don't want to take that risk, build the biggest run you possibly can. Right. Or on the other hand, if you're coming in and you want to help conservation efforts with a breed like Mm -hmm. the Sumatra that's threatened, you don't want to go through everything you have to to get this bird. 
and then they free range and they're taken within a few days. I'll also tell you that breeders don't want to hear that either. If someone entrusts their bird to you and it's the rarest of the rare and you go back to them and say, I want to buy more because the hawks pick them off, they might not sell to you. Yeah. So build the largest run that you can build right. at the beginning because you're going to save yourself work by the end. Believe us. And the reason we're bringing this up is because free ranging with a bird like the Sumatra can be a little tough. Heck yeah. Because something startles them and they fly under a tree. And then you're going to have a problem trying to get up in a tree and get them out. You might need to go to work in the next two hours or who the heck knows. Exactly. But it can I don't want to have to fetch this chicken out of a tree. This might be a chicken that once you have a very large run space is happy in a very large run space and you don't really let them out too much of free range because right. they could end up in a tree and then where are you going to go from there? Exactly. Now, these are black chickens. And the other thing we've been seeing a lot lately that's making the rounds on social media is that if you keep black chickens, hawks will think they're crows and not attack them. False. Unfortunately, this is false. We would that it were so, but it is not. The Sumatras were first imported to the U.S. pre-Civil War. Okay. And they were most likely brought in for use as fighting birds. So sad. Or to breed into fighting bird programs. I hate hearing this. I know. I hate when that's where the history takes us. But with a lot of what are called the Oriental class, mm -hmm. and the Oriental class are not the same as the Asian class. Right. Even though we don't use those words anymore, the Oriental class in this instance means the Malays, the Sumatras, some of the other Asian game birds. Right. So the first documented Sumatras arrived in Massachusetts in 1847. And then there were some more importations in the early 1850s. They showed up in the UK in the 1870s, so a little later there. Okay. Now, I was going through some of the early poultry journals, and I did find some advertisements offering Sumatras for sale. Okay. But I didn't find a whole lot of anything else about them. Just, hey, buy these birds. Right. They're good for fighting. This is one of those things. They didn't even say they were good for fighting. It was just like using the wording from the 1870s journal, for sale, one coop of Sumatras. Yeah. It's one of these things about history that it existed... I hate it, but it did exist, and yeah, we just have yeah. to acknowledge that that's why they came over. I mean, there might still be people who are breeding them for that purpose. They're not good fighting birds. so No bird should be fought. No bird should be fought, absolutely. The Sumatras first appeared in the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in 1883 in the black. Now, there was a blue version, and it was admitted in 2002. Oh, wow. That's a huge time span. Yeah. yeah. There's also a dun variety. I looked it up. It's sort of a seal brown color. Okay. It's pretty, but it's not APA accepted at this point. And it looks like there's also a bantam version. Yes, if you can imagine. Again, it's like the Leghorn bantam. Well, I saw the bantam version mostly in the show community, right. which, you know, isn't surprising. And you know what? Here's the thing. This chicken, it reminds me of a show bird. That's what it should be used for right. all along. When they first arrived in the UK, some people referred to them as black Yokohamas, yeah. which I can see. Yeah, I can see that. They do have a very different temperament to the Yokohama. Yokohama is much more friendly, domesticated. Yeah. yeah. So let's look at egg stats here. They're going to lay a small white or light cream egg in about 100 a year. This is kind of where we know they're going to be not mm -hmm. in the good egg layer. Right. They're more of a show bird, a companion bird. If you can get them little and get them used to you as chicks, you might be able to really work with them. But they're going to be a show bird. Right. The Livestock Conservancy notes that the hens tend to reproduce seasonally. Remember, we mentioned the males were only like quarrelsome and fighting right. during breeding season. So the hens tend to reproduce seasonally. So spring is probably the time for most of those eggs to be laid. Right. And that's the time they're going to go broody. They do go broody and apparently do a very good job raising their own chicks. Okay. That's good. That's something, right? 
In Wright's Book of Poultry, Lewis Wright notes that the Sumatra hens were sometimes used in England to hatch bantam eggs. They're almost bantam themselves. Pretty much, I mean, yeah. and if they go broody, then more power to them. Exactly. Really, can a breed survive as a feral colony unless the hens go broody? They have to. Yeah. At some point, they had to help themselves survive. Right. And that is by going broody, a lot of feathers back there, so they can sit on those eggs. Now, the most important takeaway from the Sumatra is that they are beautiful, but they are not a utility breed. This isn't really a great homestead breed. It's not going to be... Well, that's probably why they're in the threatened category. Yeah, so it's going to take somebody special who wants to really get to know this breed to breed them to be a companion bird. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, they were imported with the intention of fighting them. They may still be used as fighting birds in Sumatra, and they're reputed to be standoffish in demeanor. But that's not to say that you can't try to make a pet out of them. Honestly, I'm not sure how many people have tried. You get out what you put in. I think they're stunning. I would attempt it because I'm really interested in the Yokohamas too. Yeah. I would attempt to make I a Sumatra pet. I see you doing that. What I can't see is a homestead with someone with really young children who want to handle well, the birds all the time. Well, and these long feathers and- Yeah, you got to keep them completely clean. Mm-hmm. With any chicken, the sooner the better to get them to get to know you and consistency. So I think we were talking to Fiona a while back Mm -hmm. and she was talking about, okay, so you handle the chicks for the first week and then you say, oh, I've handled them. And then you don't handle them again for weeks later. You're going to be starting all over. So if you have this chicken and you work with them every single day, they're going to love you. Right. They have the capacity to love. It's funny because I have birds that we handled a lot when they were younger and then we got busy. And when we went back to handle them, they were fine. And I also have a couple of birds that when we didn't handle them for long periods of time, practically went feral themselves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with anything, consistency is the key. You need to do that. Let's look at it this way. They went back to feral there. Yeah, exactly. So that runs in their uh, genetic makeup to be able to, to do that. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a chicken that you have to have the time that you have to have in your heart. You want to work with this chicken breed to help right, save them. Because you need to watch their environment. You need to do all these things. The good news about them is they are reputed to be very healthy and hardy chickens. And they're beautiful. They're beautiful. But you're right. They're not a utility breed. You're no. not getting them for eggs. You're not getting them to go dig in the garden. Right. This is a conservation effort. And can you work with them to the point where they trust you and they'll love you, but can be handled? It's a good question. I like to see somebody try mm-hmm. to do this and save this chicken and get them off the threatened list. Yeah. Now, their main occupation, obviously, in the present is show chicken. We don't like the word ornamental for a bunch of reasons. Oh, yeah. So we could just say, if you're interested in a pretty chicken, the Sumatra is one to think about. Yeah, and if if you you want to even get your feet wet with showing birds, Mm -hmm. this would be a great chicken to start with. Yep. So where do we find them? McMurray Hatchery sells black Sumatras as straight-run chicks. So here we go. They're straight-run. You always have to have your rooster plan. Right. And here with this chicken, you're probably going to need a rooster and a hen because you're going to be doing it for conservation Right, if you're, yeah. You can also check with the Livestock Conservancy's Breeders Directory, see if there's anyone local to you. You can also try the American Sumatra Association website and or Facebook page. And there, you may be able to get grow outs. Yeah. If you have a breeder willing to sell them. I mean, they're beautiful. I think they're absolutely stunning. They're gorgeous. I like a black chicken. And I think those long tails are gorgeous. And I like the way the hens look. This is a chicken that needs help. If you're out there and you want to try to help this beautiful chicken, we'll call it the do. Sumatra pet chicken experiment. Okay, so if you have the Sumatra, we seriously want some pictures. We very much do. If you share a picture with us, it may go up on our feed. Now that's a new one. 
That's a bonus and a threat. It's actually one. a big bonus because we'll give you a uh, picture credit and share it because we want to share this chicken with somebody who actually legit gives us a picture of their chicken. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera. Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill. Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite resistant. Your chickens will love it. Quick shipping from Amazon.com or Nestera.us. For a 5% discount, use the affiliate link in our show notes, on our website, and on Instagram. Link in bio. Check them out today. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We personally use Roosties products with our chickens and we're huge fans. They have their awesome nesting pads, do-it-yourself feeder and waterer kits, and they've just released their best product ever, a new chick feeder and waterer set. They have adjustable legs to keep food and water clean. They're super well-made, and the feeder even has a removable lid so it can easily be filled from the top. So if you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, all their products are available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Check out the Roosty store on Amazon or follow the link in our show notes. So let's move on to main topic. Yeah. Yeah. And this week, our main topic is our monthly roundtable with Fiona. Fiona. We're talking about the pros and cons of auto coop door openers. And believe me, they're out there. It's a bigger topic than you would think. It is. It is. So let's go across the pond and have coffee with Fiona. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Fiona, how are you doing? Good. I mean, we're still under lockdown over here, unfortunately, but I'm hoping that it's going to be lifted soon, but you never know. It was 2nd of May last year, but was the it cases long? in the UK... Yeah, yeah, it was very late last year, but this year the cases... We get text alerts every time there's a case, and there's only been two in March. Now, at this point last year, there'd been six cases, and the numbers are really going down, so I'm hopeful... And Defra, if you're listening, please let the chickens out. <laughs> it's going try. It's spring. You want the chickens out on the grass. Yeah. So yesterday yeah. was the first day of spring, but it was cold, man. I was freezing. Today is better. Today is better. It's warmer it's here. It's a little warmer here. Not cold. It's lovely over here. Sorry. Sorry, lucky. guys. <laughs> lucky. lucky. Okay. So this <laughs> month for our round table, we wanted to talk about the pros and cons of automatic door openers and whether or not it's a good idea to add this to your setup. So let's do this. Fiona, you have worked with and reviewed a lot of auto doors. So you're our authority on this. We have lots. So shall I just go through the list? We got the Brinsey Chick Safe Advance and Eco Models. We've got the Titan. We've got the Omelette. We've got the Chicken Guard Premium and Extreme, and we've got the Nestera. So we've got them all. That's pretty good. There's yeah. a plethora to choose from if you want to go with an automatic door opener. Yeah. There's lots of different functionality to go with as well. So, I mean, the first thing to ask is, do you actually need one? I mean, if you're right. home all the time and, you know, you're up very early or, you know, you're up later in the evening, you're always going to be around for the chickens. Do you actually need one? That's the first question, I suppose. I like my eyes on my flock, whether they're coming out in the morning so I can look at crops and everything else. And in the evening, I want to count heads or I'm not going to sleep. But we were talking about this a while ago. You and I, we were talking about different professions. Uh So we're like, okay, so you got a baker. They have to be at the bakery super early at like 4 a.m. to start baking. 
they want chickens, what are they going to do? They're not home at that magic hour to let those chickens out. So there are a lot of situations where it may work for some people. Right. And we say this all the time. We're a little bit easier with the opening in the morning. Yes. It's the evening, yeah. the checking for the shut-in where you got to be a, really a little bit more precise in checking. And, and even if you have an, a normal nine-to-five job, I think an auto-closer is really, really useful because in the middle of winter, it's dark by 5 p.m. And even if you do finish work at five, you've then got traffic and you've got to drive home. So it's unlikely you're going to be home before it's dark. And if you want a bit of peace of mind, it's useful. You know, there are a lot of people that they do actually suit. But, you know, there is a question there. Do you actually need one? What is your lifestyle? How does it actually work? I think that's number one key is your lifestyle. Absolutely. Whether or not you actually need it. And if you're home during the day, it's just a question of getting a little bit of exercise and some fresh air and going out and letting the chickens out. I absolutely would have needed one if I were not married because as a librarian, I worked really off shifts. You know, I I was going in at 3 p.m. So I wasn't around to put chickens in. So yeah, I think there are definitely places where that would be a key thing to enable you to even have chickens. Yeah. But even if you're at home, I mean, if you do want the chickens to be able to come out at first light, in the middle of summer, that could be three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. That's not good. That's not a great time to get out of bed. So if you want it to open and let the chickens out at dawn, if you feel safe in terms of predators, absolutely. It's really useful uh, at that time. And then you bring up a good point geographically. Where are you? So are you in a predator saturated area or one that's less? Because basically those magic hours of hunting for predators for some of them are dawn and dusk. So if you're letting them out a little too early, you're going to deal with more of the predator situation with the fox coming up or whoever just kind of looking. Just a quick note for new listeners. Fiona is in the UK, remember? So it does get light at 3 and 4 a.m. in the UK. And you do have less predators. We do have predators, don't get me wrong, we do have foxes, we do have badgers, we do have various predators that will attack the chickens. But then again, there are a lot of auto-openers, auto-closers, where you can go for different functionalities so that if your dawn is at 4am, but you want your chickens to be out an hour after, so you miss that gap. Still, 5 a.m. is very, very early in the middle of summer to be getting out of bed for a lot of people. So you could just set it on timer or you could set the system up so that it gives you that time delay. There are some that do that. I like too the fact with the auto door openers that they're away from working strictly on electricity now and battery powered because a lot of our coops are in an area where we don't have electricity. So running that out for an auto door opener is a bit inconvenient. But then it's another thing that you have to check that those batteries, you got to stay up on that because if they go dead and you don't realize and you just go to bed, your chickens are going to be sitting ducks, pardon the pun. You're absolutely right. And a lot of them do have a visual aid. So they'll have a light, which will tell you some of them have red lights, which pulse more frequently as the batteries drain. Others actually tell you low battery. But there are some which give you no indication whatsoever and you just don't know they're not working until the door doesn't open or the door doesn't shut. We prefer the ones which have the battery visual aids. But again, even those on batteries, the one thing to carefully research is can you use rechargeable batteries in them? Because some of the leading ones don't work well with rechargeable batteries. Well, obviously, we're going to give some options. But also, if you're going to go with 
an auto door opener, you've got to stay on top of your power source and make sure it's functioning. We migrate to the ones which go for the rechargeable batteries, partly from a cost point of view, but also from the green point of view as well. Yes, Um, I agree. Because the single-use batteries aren't a fabulous idea anyway. The functionality itself, you can get some which have just solar, some which have solar and timer, some which have solar timer and manual. And now one of the big pitfalls when looking at auto openers is that some of them you can't mix and match. For example, we need to keep our coupe that's got our big lad in. So DeWalt, who's a bit of a tool that tells you about his (laughs) name. DeWalt likes to crow and he starts quite early. So actually, we keep that coupe closed a lot longer. We only have a few neighbours, but we do have some neighbours. So his coupe is closed for a bit longer in the day. So that has to be on timer in the morning. But we like it to close at night when it gets to dusk. And we don't want to have to keep adjusting it, you know, as the days get longer. So we need to be able to mix and match. But there are some which you either have both on timer, both on solo or both on manual. That's what you get. And it is a pitfall because unless you actually research into the specifications, it's quite difficult to work out which coupe auto openers do that. How many of your coupes have auto doors and how many do not? We have got one coupe which doesn't and all other 10 have auto openers. And then over here, Holly has one auto door opener and the rest of our coupes have none. And it is one brand that you don't have. It's Harris Farms, which is a Metapro. That's a really good one. There are pros and cons to it. Now, when you were talking about solar functionality, for people who just don't have auto doors, we're not talking about hooking up the solar power there. We're talking about a solar sensor. So the coupe will open when it gets light. I had the Harris Farm door set that way, but every time it would storm, it would inappropriately close. So that's a downfall to using a solar because if it clouds up a little too much, it could close too early. And then here's the thing where I am. I will definitely be checking to make sure they're in at night, even after that door shuts, that it doesn't leave anybody out. When you set the timer, you have to constantly adjust if you want it to go to, because as the days get longer, your dusk changes. So you do constantly have to adjust. A lot of the auto openers allow you to have a lux adjustment so you can actually take a reading on the light levels when the door comes down. And if it's shutting prematurely, you can then change the reading setting. So Chicken Guard, Brinzi and Nistera, all three of those allow you to change the lux settings. Nice. Which I think is really useful. Which of the models allow you to do both solar and timer? Chicken Guard, Brinzi and Nistera, the same three. Those are the three, if money allows, because clearly you get what you pay for. Right. Those are the three which give you the most flexibility and the most choice. The um, omelette door opener is kind of made to work with the omelette coupe, right? But it does work with any other coupe. We actually have a review video showing fitting it to a wooden coupe. Now, the only problem with your omelette one there's is there's you either have both set on timer, both on manual or both on solar. So that is a downside of the omelette. The other thing on the omelette is it works on a ratchet system. So the other auto openers we're talking about are up and down motion. So they pull the door up and let it drop on a string. Whereas the omelette one, because it's going side to side, actually works on a geared mechanism, 
Now, they have a safety mechanism because obviously because it's on gears, once it starts to move, it can't stop. So with an up and down, if your chicken's in the way, your chicken's body just holds the door up for a little bit longer as it goes into the coop or comes out the coop. It's really not a problem. But on a geared mechanism, if your chicken is partly through the door, it would keep going without a safety mechanism. So what it does is the side of the frame, which the geared door goes into, if that has a weight against it, the door will automatically start to open again. Now that on the face of it sounds like a fantastic marketing thing. And it's a big thing which all that have. However, from experience, we found it can be a problem. So if you've got a predator who comes along, if that door isn't completely shut and all the gears fully into the final closed position, a fox might come along, a raccoon might come along, hit that safety mechanism, the door will start to open again. Now, that could be just one piece of bedding. So it might be a piece of straw, it might be a piece of shavings, it might be some feathers from your big rooster laying against your safety mechanism. Right. That could potentially cause a problem with a predator. Is there any way you can modify that, like an aftermarket modification to stop it from happening? Well, the only problem is if you stop that safety mechanism from working, it means that a chicken going through the door as the gears are grinding and bringing that door shut, they could be crushed. So it is actually for the safety of your chicken, Okay, but it does have a downside. So you've got to be very, very careful. This is the other thing about auto closers. I would recommend even when you do have them every single night, go and check, first of all, that no chickens have been locked out. And if you've got an omelet one, that the door is shut properly. In that case, you could see a chicken leg getting stuck or something like a body part getting stuck in the door, which would not be good. If they didn't have a safeguard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. So it is important from that aspect. But as I say, if it's not fully shut, it may stay very slightly open. I was telling Holly today, Stella, one of my Jubilee Orpingtons, waits for me every single night. So when we go out and do the chickens, she is the last one out and she walks up to me and waits with me and walks around and does all the checks and stands directly next to me. And then when I go to her coop to open the door to check, then she walks up the ladder and waits for me to get her up. So a chicken like that really loves that interaction at night. Yeah. I would be afraid that she would just stay out waiting for me because she's used to me coming out. So it's like if you're a new chicken keeper and you want to start with a door, I almost feel like start with the door from the beginning and that way they get used to it right away. Mm -hmm. They know it's the normal because chickens who aren't used to it aren't going to really know that I have to be in because you're not coming out. Special needs chickens too might be an issue. Yeah. And I would actually recommend if every year you're bringing in new chickens, you're ordering new chicks as, you know, older ones are are leaving you. It's actually a really good idea to get one of those brands and makes which gives you that adjustment. Because for a certain period, younger chickens will be kept out by older chickens. Oh, for sure. It's the way it is. So you're more likely to get a chicken shut out. So actually having that ability to adjust the reading, if you're on the light setting, for the door to come down with it going to dusk, you want it to be left open just that little bit longer to let the chickens go in. Failing that, just live with having to put it on timer and just change the timings just for a little while until the old chickens let the younger ones in. This is a whole different subject that we may be getting to later. But I would imagine in a lot of these cases where you can't be on the property, a coop camera is going to give you enormous peace of mind. I'm addicted to my coop cam. 
Now, Starrett has the accessory of the coupe cam. We have them. And you can look at the camera and have that position so that you know everybody's in the coupe. It has great lighting for at night so that you can look to see if everybody's in there. Myself, knowing myself, I'm still going to be out. I still go out. Yeah. You know, so I guess where it would come into play is like, say you're running really late and the majority of them do get in. But then when you get home, go back out and double check. So. I well, can't cam- get past the double check. The camera I'm- can tell you that everyone's in. So that's something. That's something. But like, I would still want to check doors and windows or, or things like that. I guess I'm old school, yeah. man, because I'd always be out there even checking with it. I'm not saying that I don't want an auto door opener. I'm just going to still be checking. My routine is I check the camera because actually I find that the cream leg bars and the whale summer, they're always in first. So when I see them in and the two Orpingtons to sleep with them as well, I check on the coupe cam. When I see them in, I go out and then I shut their door because I'm always out before their door comes down. It's just as dusk is happening when they go in. And then I usher the others into the other coupe because we're only using two coupes at this stage in winter. We're at winter stocking levels. And that's my routine. So I'm using the coupe cam first, then I'm going out. I've got the ultra doors just in case we're out for the day. You know, I have to go see my parents or I'm doing a work thing and I can't be home. It just gives me a bit of peace of mind. But I'm out there anyway. As soon as I come home, I'm out checking. I want to be absolutely certain. Even though I can see them in the cook cam and I can count the little beaks, I'm still out checking. It's so funny yeah. because it is a lifestyle. People who have chickens, everyone who's listening to us and have the chickens already, you know, you plan your day and night according to when you have to be home to either put them out in the morning or make sure they're in at night. And, and people who don't have chickens, it's hard to understand. I've got to go because I got to get my chickens in. The auto doors can help a newer generation or older generation make it more convenient. The thing I'm saying is they need to still be double checked because you have that one chicken that doesn't make it in in time and that could be devastating. And training them to work along with the door is a whole nother aspect. I did the Harris Farm door and my chickens used it just fine. It's installed on the pop door of my Amish coops. And so the only way that that would work if we weren't around to close the doors is if we had the large door on the coop closed and the pop door right. were the only access point. And I think that would be okay, but I'm not comfortable. And you'll have to tell me if any of the models are good for this. I'm not comfortable with that being the only barrier between my chickens and, say, a raccoon or something worse? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the doors. A lot of the doors that come with the auto openers tend to be plastic, but there are quite a few now that have metal. And actually, if you check the poundage and the kilograms that the coupe auto openers can actually lift, what we found is for those which don't come with metal doors, we've actually made aluminium doors. So just get sheet aluminium and then drill a hole to put the string through. Really simple. Cut it, round off the edges, even put some rubber tape along the bottom if you're concerned about edges. And that works really, really well. Most of the auto openers will lift. The worst one we've got lifts a kilo. Now, there are very few coops that you could get that you cannot get a reasonably thick piece of aluminium which would keep out a predator that would fit within that kilo, that would be fine. Most of ours will lift four kilos. Okay. We've tend to go on for the ones which will lift the heavier weights just because we feel better about it. 
Yeah. But a lot of the ones, like, for example, the Brindy Chick Safe, you can buy that with a metal door. And the great thing about that door is actually two pieces. And I know that sounds a bit bizarre, but one of the biggest problems with up and down auto openers is you need quite a lot of space. So you need the space of the door itself being shut, and then you need the same amount of room above it for when the door is pulled up. And then you've got to have the space for the auto opener on top. And that's a significant amount of space. Yeah. But if you can reduce that by having a two-stage door with one part which slides behind the other and then drops down to form a full door, it means you don't need the full height. And I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody listening to this on the podcast. Oh, yeah. It's unusual to envisage, but it's amazing. It really does save a lot of space. And it means the chick safe becomes an option for people who otherwise wouldn't have an auto opener. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there were only two of my coupes that would fit the auto opener simply because we didn't have that much vertical space. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's actually a pretty clever design, really. So let's look at the pros and cons. To me, it's not too hard with the pros and cons. The pros are the convenience. The cons are that there can be error. You know, so you could have a chicken left out in the evening and be potentially there for a predator. So to me, that's what they are, the pros and cons. What do you guys think? I would agree. I mean, I know a lot of people are looking to set up their hobby farm or homestead in a very efficient way. Right. That doesn't take all of their time. I'm not a chicken keeper who's prepared for any loss, to be perfectly honest. either. And so- same here. What it comes down to for me is risk versus reward. So I'm always going to go the safer route. That being said, when Pete and I are at dinner, we either have to have someone come put the chickens in or we have to leave and go do it ourselves. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, like your lifestyle. We're kind of used to it now after all these years of doing it. Yes. You have to book around the chickens. It's like, okay, you have a reservation for this time in the summer. Right. In the winter, it's so much easier because at five, you put them in and you have the rest of the evening, right? Yeah, yeah. But when the chickens don't go in till they go in at 7.30, 8.39, then you have to start to think, okay, do I need to be home by that time? Can I have somebody do it or go back? So yeah, it does have a convenience factor for someone who's looking, who doesn't want to be tied to that. Well, like you said, with certain occupations, what I can't get on board with, and I have a feeling you both agree with me. Is going away for vacation on multiple days and just depending on auto doors and... Absolutely not. Well, you can't do that from a food and water point of view either. The thought of not having someone check that the water is still standing, it's free of debris, that they can still access the food, there's enough of it there for them. You know, I wouldn't recommend anybody goes away and leaves chickens unattended without anyone checking on them. It's just not reasonable. Yeah, totally agree with you. And I think when you go on social media, there are some people pushing the fact that, oh, you can go away for a weekend. You got this auto door opener. I wouldn't be sleeping at night. I would be a nervous wreck thinking that it wasn't working. When you have chickens and you want to go away, it's the same thing as if you have dogs, cats, or any other animal. You have to get a a sitter for them and watch them do the water, do everything else. So yeah, the automatic door might help in those aspects, but they're still going to have to be checked. I mean, to me, it gives you a convenience factor. So it means that if you want them out early, you don't have to be up. If you want to be sure because you are regularly having to work in an office when it's dark and you want them to be in, it gives you a little bit of security, but it's not a fail safe. It's not always going to be the case. If you want to reduce the risk even more, 
get a coupe cam as well, so you can count beaks in the coupe, as well as having the auto door. And then hopefully you've got someone you can ring to pop round if there's a problem, if you can't see all beaks in the coupe. There's a place for all of this, but then it's a case of there's a big grey area in between as well because there are downsides with the various models. And it's a case of doing the research. And I would say don't just read the manufacturer's research. Go out there and look at people who've got experience with these. If possible, if you see them on Instagram, if you see them on Twitter, if you see them on YouTube, drop them a line, put something in the comments, ask them what's their experience, what to think about, what the pros and cons, and get that feedback. There's all sorts of really useful things that can be provided by the auto openers, which we haven't talked about. There's a weekend lion feature with one model. Nice. And I love that. And this is for the tool of ours, Dewalt. I love saying Pete because he's such a tool. The other one was called Fat Max, who is also a tool company. <laughs> oh, man. Fat Max is now living five miles away on a nearby homestead and he's very happy. He's got a big flock of buffalo pintons and he's already father to quite a lot of chicks. Wow. (laughs) He's living La Vida Loca over there. He is. He is. He's really having a whale of a time. But the lion feature at the weekend is really useful because during the week when our neighbours all go off to work, so, you know, 7am in the morning, they're all gone. So he could come out at 7am. But at the weekend, they're home, like to have a bit of a lion. So actually, we have a weekend lion feature on that particular auto opener, and the door doesn't open till 8 a.m. Nice. nice. Bit of a downside for the hens we're with him, but you know. Yeah, he's, okay they're all the sleeping in. Everybody's sleeping yeah. in for the weekend. Well, yeah, except the hens that are with him because holy moly, yeah. they're probably like, let him out now, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what it comes down to too is personal preference. What yeah. you want to do in your right. chicken keeping experience, if you want to embrace the technology of the auto door and try it out and see, we would highly recommend to use the camera with it so that you can have a little, yeah. it's a Wi-Fi camera. You get it through Nastera and it works wonderfully and see how it goes. If your coop and your run is in a shaded area, make sure you get one of those auto openers and auto closers. If you want to use the light function that has the lux adjustment, if it doesn't have the lux adjustment and you're in a shaded area, don't buy it. Please don't buy it because you will regret it. Oh, yeah. If when we were testing the Harris Farm model, if we had kept the big door closed on the coop and only had the pop door with the auto door, the chickens would have been shut out more than once. This isn't foolproof. This isn't taking away chicken keeping, right? This is a tool to use to assist you. Right. But you still are in charge of the chicken keeping and making sure yeah. everything's working okay. I could think of several scenarios. I could think of a bossy hen who wouldn't let the others in and the door closes. Right. There's a yes. lot of scenarios. Some of my really, really big chickens don't fit in the pop door well. We always have the big coop door open for that reason. But Ricardo Montalban not did the not actor. fit back in the pop door very well. <laughs> What would be your favorite to recommend? Well, it's interesting, actually, because there are different ones I would recommend for different things. If you've got side to side, I would say get the omelette, be aware of that safety bar. That's the thing. If you don't have the space for an up and down, go for the omelette because it does go on practically every single coupe I've come across. Nice. If you've got very little budget, I would go with the Brinsey Eco because that's the best value for money, but it does have limited functionality. 
So you don't get the manual override. And I have to say manual override is absolutely brilliant for all sorts of things. I wouldn't actually have another auto opener now without having it. For example, when I go out at night, when I see all beaks in the coop and I go out and shut the doors, I do it by hitting the manual button. If that manual button doesn't override all the other settings, I've got to wait for the door to come down. It's really, really annoying. So if there's no manual there, even though I'm out and checking, I'm going to have to come back out after dark again and check again because I'm going to have to wait for the door to come down. And as I said, you need the manual to override the setting that's already there. Because if you've got to set it on light setting, for example, you shut the door and then the light sensor starts measuring the light around it opens the door again. So if you're pressing manual, you want it to stay down. The model I have has the manual override and it never even occurred to me that some of them wouldn't have it. That's crazy. Yeah. The budget end of the auto opener lines generally don't have it. It's either timer on its own or timer and light or light on its own. Very few have the manual. That manual is almost like a premium feature. Okay. Which sounds a bit counterintuitive, but actually it makes sense when you think about it. Yes. So at the budget end of the market, I would go for the Brinzy Eco. It's absolutely, it's going to give you the timer, it gives you the light, and you can mix and match. And then at the other end, I would say if you've got an Astera Coop, go with an Astera because it's pre-drilled. It's got all the functionality of the other high-end units. But the only one that's got the Weekend Lion feature is the Brinzy Advance. Okay. I think it's a good thing to say, too. Like, if you have an omelet, go with the omelet. Because these doors are made to go with these coops. Some of them have better features, but trying to fit a different brand door opener on a different coop is going to be a little bit difficult. That's very, very true. And actually, the easiest program and understand, I find, is in Astera. Okay. The Brinsey Chick Safe takes a little bit more understanding, but that's because it's got the extra features with the Weekend Lion. And actually, of the three which are feature-rich, which is the Brinzi, the Nistera, and the Chicken Guard, although I was Chicken Guard loyal for many, many years, Nistera and Brinzi have both overtaken them. Okay. They are more expensive for the features. Mm-hmm. And I would say go Nistera or Brinzi first before you go Chicken Guard. Because the other thing is both the Nistera and the Brinzi For the equivalent money, they lift bigger weights in terms of doors, which gives you more options. Nice. It was fascinating to me that the auto door is actually so simple. It is essentially a pulley winding the string back on a spool and lifting that way. It's a very simple mechanism, but if it's not strong enough... It could fall on them. Yeah. Yeah. With our chicken guard auto openers, we have had more motors burn out In fact, we've had no motors burn out on any of our other auto openers, but we have had them burn out on Chicken Guard. It's an honest review. It's an honest review. Okay, so we want to thank Fiona for sitting at our roundtable this month. We love our roundtables with you. Our listeners love you. We get so many reviews saying they love you. Your candid look at door openers and closers is very welcomed. Fiona, you said you had an omelet door opener review video, which I will link in the show notes. Do you have videos for each of these? We have Chicken Guard, we have Omelette, we have Titan, we have Brinzi. We haven't done a specific Nestera auto-opener door review, but if anyone wants to ask me any questions, DM me, send me an email, which is on the YouTube site, and i answer any questions you've got. I do recommend if you've got Nestera Coop, get the Nestera auto-opener because it is pre-drilled, as I say. 
If you want the weekend lion feature, go with the brinzy. If you don't have the height, go with the omelette. If you have got limited funds and are okay without the manual feature, go with the brinzy eco. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. And everyone remember, if you have not seen Fiona's videos yet, go visit her YouTube channel, English Country Life. There's all kinds of amazing stuff there for chicken keepers, new and old. You're going to love it. Until next month, we'll talk to you later, Fiona. Bye. Bye. We just want to thank Fiona one more time for a really great discussion. Remember, you can go check out Fiona's beautiful videos on her YouTube channel, English Country Life. Okay. It's just about that time for... (laughs) Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. We're getting ready for the Easter table with this. We are. So this week's cracking the eggs is cheddar and chive drop biscuits. (laughs) Yes, we're getting ready for Easter. We want something that we can use at a brunch or dinner for Easter. Right. We gave you the crepe cake last week, which is really dreamy. It was delicious. It was delicious. And this one you can use if you do a brunch or dinner or lunch on Easter or Sunday dinner. Yeah. It goes really well with scrambled eggs. A lot of drop biscuit recipes don't have an egg in them. But we found that an egg in there made them less crumbly and a little more rich. Well, it's going to bind everything more together, too. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep them from falling apart right, a little bit less. Right, right. And you can change up the herbs if you want to. Honestly, what inspired this recipe is that the chives are the biggest thing in my garden right now. Use up what you've got. Exactly. Let's start with the ingredients that you're going to use. We're going to start with two cups of all-purpose flour or gluten-free flour, mm-hmm. a tablespoon of sugar. Now, you know, it says optional. It's never optional in this house. (laughs) If it says a tablespoon of sugar, you're going to put a tablespoon of sugar in there. A half a teaspoon of sea salt, a tablespoon of baking powder because we're going to need some rye in these biscuits. It works well with the egg too. Yeah, of course. A stick of butter or dairy-free butter. It's going to need to be cut in cubes. One of those magical eggs. Two-thirds of a cup of buttermilk or dairy-free buttermilk. You can even make your own if you have to. Just add some lemon. Tablespoon of lemon juice into a cup of milk. Yeah. Let it stand 10 minutes. Sours it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Cup of shredded cheese or dairy-free cheddar. And three tablespoons of Holly's famous snipped chives that she has. She better be bringing some over here. Uh, Yeah, I knew you'd say that. (laughs) You got him a plenty, man. Uh Bring me some chives. Some chives. Okay, so let's start with preheating the oven. You're going to do it at 450 because you want to get them brown on the outside, but cook them quick. If you're looking for a quick cleanup, line your baking sheet with parchment paper or silt pat. I do it every time. I hate cleaning. A big pan in the sink. I know. I hate it. I know. So this is really a quick recipe. You're going to whisk the dry ingredients together in a big mixing bowl. You're going to use your pastry cutter and cut the cold butter into the flour mixture until it resembles coarse meal. You don't have to go too small. I love using a pastry cutter. Me too. Add your buttermilk, your egg, your chives, and your cheese, and you're going to stir it just until the ingredients are combined. Your dough is going to be sticky. Keep that in mind with anything that you do that's drop biscuit, drop cookies. Mm -hmm. You're not stirring it until it's smooth. Right. It's always going to be a little chunky, a little sticky. So essentially, once you have everything mixed in, you're going to scoop your dough out onto the prepared baking sheet. I like to leave close to two inches between them because these can rise quite a bit. And I always use an ice cream scoop because you can clean it out all the way. You can just press the little handle. It'll all come out for you. And it's everything's the same size and uniform. It's pretty uniform. An ice cream scoop is about the amount you want. Yeah. I have a small soup ladle that Me- I use for the oh, same okay. thing. Yeah. Like you can get the little baller too, which is a little smaller. <laughs> if you want to do mini muffins, that works really well. Yeah. This is going to make you roughly a dozen biscuits. You can double the recipe really easily if you want to. Yeah. And then you just bake it for about 10 or 15 minutes. Don't let it get too brown. No. 
keep in mind when you take them out, they're going to cook still for a few minutes on that right. sheet. If you want to keep them warm, you can simply put them in a bowl lined with a towel. Yes, exactly. And it's a really fantastic addition to Easter brunch. It's going to be yummy or just Sunday dinner or lunch or breakfast with eggs. You can eat them anytime. It's just easy to make. If you like biscuits like us, make them all the time. But put that sugar in. So if you make this recipe, send us some pictures. We'll give you a share on Instagram. We love seeing that you're making the recipes and loving them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. This week's retail therapy... We're talking about sprouting seeds for you and your chickens. Yes. And it's actually not hard. It's easy. If you ordered the chicken love box for March, you got the little beginning set. Oh, with the alfalfa sprout seeds. Yeah. Yes. And the lid. Which chickens love. They do. And it's easy to do this. And one of the other beautiful things about sprouting is if you don't have a big garden space or time for a garden, it doesn't take that long to sprout things inside. So you can grow stuff for your chickens or you. I eat a lot of sprouts. I know you do too. I eat a lot of sprouts, especially alfalfa on my sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I buy them because I don't have them. Like, this is such a waste. Sometimes I do sprout them. And you can sprout them in anything. You know what's really good? And I've used them in stir fries. I've made them for the chickens, but I've used them in my own stir fries. And that's sprouted sunflower seeds. Oh, yeah. They're really good. They're really good. Each one of us is going to tell you about our favorite source for both sprouts and sprouting equipment. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to talk about the True Leaf Market. That is the company that Andrea over at the Chicken Love Box worked with this month. And I'm sprouting with those seeds. I generally get my equipment and my seeds from sprout people. I went ahead and ordered a complete set of the jars and the covers and everything else. So you're going to do mason jar sprouting. I actually have a double-decker sprouter that I use. You know what I've done in the past? I really have not done jars. This is a new thing for me to do jars. Okay. I usually go to the dollar store and buy two of the disposable baking pans. The tinfoil ones? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what I've done multiple times is poke little holes in them so the sprouts can can come up. And then you put the seeds in one and then they grow up and you can rinse them that way and not lose the seeds. Well, if you're taking them out to the chickens and they're in something like that. That's why I make them that way. Mm -hmm. So when we got the stuff with Andrea, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and order the jars. And that way I can do it. But there's different places you can go. So why don't you start with where you get your seeds? So Sprout People, it's a small business. It's a couple that run it. They've been around for quite a long time. And I will say that when COVID hit, they started running out of inventory like super quickly. So sometimes it's hit or miss. I tend to just put big orders in once or twice a year with them. They have really good basic sprouts and they have really nice blends. And this is kind of funny. They have one that they make for your four-legged friends. It's like sprouts for dogs, et cetera. Okay. I never bought them because I always thought, I don't think my dogs would eat sprouts. And then I got River. Your dog will eat a glass. My, I know he'll eat sprouts. Well, I can't tell you how many times. My favorite to make for myself are broccoli sprouts. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times that dog has pulled himself up to the counter and eaten the broccoli sprouts straight out of the sprouter. Before you can even eat them. Before I could even eat them. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite are alfalfa for sure. Yeah. Alfalfa is really good. The chickens love the broccoli sprouts as well. What I like about Sprout People is both their blends and they just get some things that you can't get elsewhere. You can use some of them for microgreens too. Sprout People have, like I said, microgreen and sprout seeds. Okay. I think the most popular ones are the broccoli, the alfalfa. They have wheatgrass, which I've never tried for obvious reasons. Tons of mix. They have mother's mix that are greens that are beneficial to women. They've got clover sprouts, sprouted oats and groats. Like There's so many really, really interesting things to try on there. 
They have very detailed growing instructions, which have come in handy. And the other thing I like is they have a variety of sprouting equipment from plastic to stainless steel. Yeah. True Leaf Market is the same. They have a lot of different types of seeds that you can get for sprouting. It's a game that's more popular now. It's way more popular. The fact that you can have a jar set up and make these right in your kitchen without anything except Mm -hmm. for rinsing them. We're going to have the set that I just purchased through Amazon on our Amazon storefront. Yes. That way, if you want to set it up, I purchased one that was like $23 mm-hmm. and you got like two jars, the leaning, because there is a purpose that they lean, they grow better. Right. So they have the little rack that holds them at an angle. A rack. They have yeah. the, the rubber mat that goes mm-hmm. under them. And I've never done this, but they grow better with a little bit of being in the dark. Yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. So they have the covers for the jars. I didn't know there was actually a cover. I just throw a white tea towel over my sprouter. No, this has the covers with it. Fancy. Yeah, for $23, you got like the jars, the racket sits in, the mat, scrub brush to clean them out. Nice. And the covers. And I didn't think it was bad. It's not bad at all. Does True Leaf have microgreen seeds too? Yes. And the microgreens are super fun. I mean, you can grow a tray of microgreens and just take it straight out to your chickens and put it in the run. They have a ton. That's their list of microgreens. That's a huge list. Some of my favorite microgreens to grow are radish because they come up so fast. You've always talked about that. And I like, they're very slightly spicy. When I make grits with eggs in them, I like to throw a handful of radish microgreens in there. It's delicious. They have so many types of microgreens that you Mm -hmm. can grow. Anything from sweet beet seeds to like scallions, you can grow as microgreens. The fun part about growing those, you do it right in your kitchen, you eat it and you're done. Right. And you restart. Right. You rinse them daily Mm -hmm. to give them the water and then they grow. It's so easy. It is. How did I never do this before? It's really fun. I really enjoy it. It has a quick turnaround a lot of the time. Yep, exactly. So it's not like the same as planting cabbage and having to wait a couple months to harvest it. Exactly. It's within days. There's also a lot of research that proves that microgreens have a lot of bioavailable vitamins and minerals. They're so good for you. So they're very good for your health. Again, they're very good for your poultry's health. You could use them for chickens, ducks, geese. Most of the poultry can eat them. And yourself. Yeah. I mean, and they're really healthy. And your dogs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's really no downside to it. There is no downside. So the company that you were talking about was? Sprout People. And I was mentioning True Leaf Market. Both of them are very good. And then Amazon, they have them over there. Mm-hmm. We'll put some selections over on our storefront so we have it all together for you. But try it. It's easy and you're going to love it. Your chickens are going to love it. And it's something that doesn't take a lot of work. And right. you get a big payoff and you're like, hey, I grew these sprouts. I grew these microgreens. It's super fun in, say, January when there's nothing but cold. It's good to show your kids how to do it now mm-hmm. so that going on, they can do it. Right. So grow those sprouts. Show them some pictures. Flood us over at Instagram, and we'll give you some shares. Okay, so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week is our Easter episode. Yay! We are spotlighting the Easter egger. Of course. Of course. Our main topic, we're having a chat with one of the most dynamic chicken ladies we've met recently, Madeline McLaughlin, the owner of Lenora Dane Jewelry. You do not want to miss this. Uh, Yeah. Cracking the eggs. We are making a savory clafouti. It's a savory asparagus and shrimp clafouti. That's a beautiful dish to serve for Easter. For your brunch table. And retail therapy. We're going to take another look at vintage egg cups. Why not? One of our favorite things to collect. (laughs) Okay, so what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, 
please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.